It's episode 33. I'm at home. Chris is at home. And it's New Year's Eve! We're gonna have a party, y'all! Right, that's enough of that. Copyright. All right, get sued. Yeah, do you know how long it is that we have to um, that we can play tracks for that we that aren't licensed to play? Um, I remember someone with absolutely no authority telling me it was about four seconds. <laughs> we'll go um, with that. Then. We'll go with that one. Yeah, we'll go with that. I mean, we, we are risking millions, aren't we, in this one? Yeah, I mean, yeah, because music's a little different to. Um, I mean, my only background is um, images, Im- image fraud, not. Um, <laughs> not music so <laughs> image fraud so be careful be careful on google images that's, that's all i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> oh man honestly can you tell us a bit more about that because that is funny what did you do again um i feel vulnerable now uh although this is valuable for everyone out there if, if you if you do write write blogs you know they will catch up with you in the end I think is what we're saying. <laughs> Google isn't free. Google isn't free. But to be honest with you, and they get it all the time, I'm sure they do. Um, that blog post that I wrote back in 2007, I think probably about you know 10 people read it over the course of time. So it's a worthless photo anyway. But um, yeah, and then you end up just getting Getty images down your neck saying you owe us about 500 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> and so, that was including VAT, wasn't it? VAT, yep. And um, wow. yeah, could, because yeah, that, that sounds like an odd thing to say. They fine you and include VAT, but they actually give you an option as to buy some different images and some other stuff that you don't need. So yeah, all in all, lesson learnt. Let's uh, move. New year, new approach new to you. using images. <laughs> So yeah, let's hope. Um, what's that bloke called anyway? DJ Snake mm. and Lil John. Let's hope they don't get get down on us. Is that what you say? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm saying. But in truth, I hope DJ Snake know. doesn't get down on me. Anyway, that's all I. <laughs> um, so it's only four seconds, and I think I think we're probably leaving ourselves a bit open to being sued, being that we broadcast to the music community. Yep. So if you are a lawyer out there, just keep it quiet. Mm. Um, it was only a little bit. Blind eye. And if, any, if anybody knows us well anyway, they'd know that on New Year's Eve, we probably wouldn't be dropping a beat uh, yeah. as hard as that would be. It'd be something like, after the love is gone. Yeah. Wouldn't it? It'd be something like that, really. In actuality, so, we, we're, not, we're never going to play that song in its entirety, so you can't. Ever. I don't really like it's it. It's never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so what we, what we got planned today then? What's so today, the track? Well, to rewind a little bit, October 2015, we threw it out there on Facebook for listeners to get in touch to be on the show because we are, however sarky we are with it, we are thankful for everyone being in touch and staying in touch and listening and uh, making us feel of worth. You know? Of value is that, is that important to you? My existence is is worth something. Are you insecure? Yes. I need people to like. I need. I need people to like me. <laughs> anyway, we threw, <laughs> on Facebook. we threw out there on Facebook, and some people got back in touch, and and we we did as promised. We got them on the show. We've spoken about many things, 
whether that be you know how Justin Bieber can help you sing what New York is like to live in as a place we had we had Tuvian throat singing um, impressions which is worth tuning in on its own we had favorite vowels to get you in the into a good place wherever that place may be what uh, what that even means um we what lots on Adele lots on Adele with loads of painful singing moments and they are some there's some gems in there and again that's something that I think most listeners will be able to relate to in terms of we've all had a painful singing experience and uh, some of these guys laid it out there some of them funny some of them a bit sad um, but for the most part yeah Adele and, and in fact that's a point we need to pick up on is that the conversation we had with the awesome Tristan over there in the States he he forced us to get deep with technique and he asked a few questions about Adele and it got really deep after that point. So what we've done, we split that conversation up into two and we've left a bit of a cliffhanger uh, on the question he asked because it is good. So that's that. The other guys are stuck in between. This is really all about you, the listeners, and we hope that you uh, get something from it. What is your full name? Tristan Paredes. Oh, Philippe Paredes. There's a Philippe at the middle there. Where are you currently based, Tristan Paredes? Um, Washington in the United States, near Seattle. Do you, like, in Washington. Do you like living there? I don't mind it. It's cool. I wish that I kind of want to move to somewhere um, with more opportunities, but there's plenty of stuff here too. What's the best part of Washington? You say Washington, D.C.? No, yeah, that's no. confusion, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You're on the you're on the west it's coast. A, yeah, I'm yeah. near uh, Seattle. Yep. Still means nothing to Steve. No, oh, really. Are we going no. north? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's just like say, north. Say, that's, um, that's California. Just say California. He'll get it. Yeah, then. near no, California. Listen, I've got a friend who lived Audrey. Audrey. Kaftan. Audrey. Do you know Audrey Kaftan? No. <laughs> That's like Americans saying to us, oh, you live in England. Do you know the Queen? Yeah. <laughs> you know, worth a shot. No. She lives in Woodenville. Woodenville? Yeah. So it sounds made up, doesn't it, Tristan? It sounds like a very old place, yeah. I mean, is that, <laughs> can you I mean, can you just validate that I, I'm not being a complete uh, knob? And, uh, and right. can, you, can you validate that place as a place in Washington? Woodenville. Wooden knob? There might be. I'm honestly, I'm, I'm really ignorant to anywhere in Washington. <laughs> this is comedy gold. I don't even know where it's coming from. Knob. Knob. You know what? I found out. Can I? Can I have a? Can I give you an interesting fact about the word knob? Please do. Right. You, know, you know, in San Francisco, there's someone somewhere called Knob Hill. Nope. Um, it's the highest part of san francisco and it's in san andreas they have to get to knob hill and i know all the english people will be laughing because knob means willy <laughs> oh really willy yes Tristan. Yeah. it means penis <laughs> however however um knob hill actually stands for noble hill because it's where all the nobles lived i found that out hmm um, and that's where whitney uh, lives. She's a voice teacher um, in uh, California. She lives on Knob Hill. We always laugh about that. 
Yeah. <laughs> and do you know what? There's a place on the tube station near me, and I always hear Americans laughing at St. John's Wood. <laughs> yeah, that's a funny one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't see... It's kind of funny, but they always love it. And uh, Cock Fosters as well. They like that. Right. One. Can we... Yeah, there's a lot of cocks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, anyway, the, the, uh, the show... Um, just get back with the quick fire questions. Quick fire, sorry, that's what this is, isn't it? I forgot. So, what kind of style do you sing, Tristan? That's a, that's a, that's the annoying thing is I try is if there's a style that I can't sing, I'll fixate trying to learn how to do it, even if I'm not interested in the style. But right now, I'm doing a lot of pop. Hmm. Okay. And who pop would be your, fa- your favorite singers or singer within that within that uh, genre? I actually really like. Uh, it's kind of obnoxious, but right now I really like uh, Justin Bieber, just because imitating his voice really helped a lot of different things in my technique develop. Hmm. That's really where my favorite singers come from, is who I can imitate. <laughs> what part of the Biebs were you imitating? Uh, can you um, kind of give a description of what you did and, and what it sounded like? It's like... It's, it's, it's like when he's going, ooh, 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 eh. All that type of those type of sounds. Mm. For some reason, th- those came really, really easily from my voice, and then I found the way to connect all those sounds up into my upper register, and just really opened it up. And then from there, I was able to figure out how to connect those sounds into he- like head voice type sounds if I wanted to do that. So I'm getting a it. It opened up a lot of parts in my upper range, I guess. Thank, thankful to the Bieber. Brilliant. That's amazing. And what is the future for you in terms of singing and teaching? Would it be a, a, a 50-50 split? Or? I'm going to try, try to figure out a way to make it so that... Because that's a tough thing about being a singer or any sort of an artist is that so, I see so many people, so many other singers and artists who uh, their, their job has nothing to do with their art. And I really want them to be the same thing for me. Hmm. Their job isn't the same as their art. Yeah, like they'll be a a waitress or a waiter or whatever, and they'll just complain about their job all the time, and oh, it'll stress them out, and they'll like put wear and tear on their voice throughout the day, and then they come into the you yeah. know That's so rehearsal cool. or whatever, and they're already beat up. Massive, yeah, yeah. That's bang on. So you're going to try and get around that and uh, and make sure that it is your job. And yeah, it's like, helpful too. It's pretty much like practicing when you teach someone. You don't even got to you don't even got to vocalize because no matter what level they're at, you have the same problem mm, somewhere. Absolutely. Exactly. I think exactly that. Yeah. The the perception that the teacher doesn't have any problems and the student is learning from the teacher is just not right. Yeah. Oh yeah. I hate that. I try really try and tell my students that I think I'm 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 a good singer. You know, but I tell them that this is my voice and this is where I am and I'll show them the extent to it and where my range is and I'll be like, this is this is where I am and this is, no matter what, I'm going to be imposing that on you. You know what I mean? Because that's my perspective. Um, and I didn't realize that when I was beginning and I get, kept getting uh, pulled in like 50 different directions by 50 different people. And that did that lead you kind of down the wrong path a few times? <laughs> oh, yeah, for a very long time. I had a few teachers say... Uh, whatever cat even contemporary teachers um categorize my voice as a baritone which is i think now is just goofy even even a contemporary teacher necessarily classifying someone even though i do it all the time for some reason is goofy because you hear quote-unquote baritones all the time 
singing, you know, I heard one the other day sing a, what seemed like a high F, whether or not he was um, transitioning into his head register or not, I couldn't tell. But regardless, it's it's goofy. So, yeah, I got pulled in some weird directions. Mm. So, so looking at those directions and actually looking at your voice in general, what currently is your biggest singing hurdle that you're working on? It was it, maybe even like one or two weeks ago. I read, maybe I'm just being overconfident, but I just finally, like I said, went through that sort of a wall. And I feel like at this point, I have all the tools. It's just a matter of time, if that makes sense. Sure. So what was your breakthrough? So I was, trying, I was doing those Justin Bieber sounds, right? Like, all I need, ooh. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to figure, that's working for me. So how can I mold that, right? So I, because I have been learning a lot about um, technique and anatomy and stuff like that, I knew that ooh, 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 ooh doesn't have a lot of twang. It has some. Ew, ew, ew has a lot of twang, like an ew sound. And so I was using basically those two sounds to go up high. And when I could go pretty, I was getting towards my uh, B4 with the ooh, but then I was realizing that um, I couldn't do all the other vowels because ooh is a very small, uh, I guess it's hard to explain all these things, <laughs> but it's a I small you. mouth. You know what I mean? Like uh, something about me closing my mouth to that really, really, really small point. Um, and then s some mixing stuff too really helped me um, get up there. That's and interesting. And sound reasonable. Yeah, we, we, we've heard that already from one of our um, guests on the show today it, in, yeah, in bringing some of that E sound to their voice and actually helps them to get over where, would, where they would see their break. Yeah. What do you guys think about... I'm not sure what you guys' mouths look like while you sing, but... Because um, when I see all of these um, celebrity singers... A lot of them have oh, sing with really, really large um, mouth openings. What do you think that's about? Because I don't know if you guys experience the same thing, but when I try and do something similar, it sounds awful. Yeah. That, um, do you know what? Like, uh, I, th I think we'll all have very different perspectives on that, but the, uh, larynx, the larynx and the situation there yeah. will dictate often how open um, you can go. And you often find that when the larynx is a little bit higher, quite often the singer finds it hard to lower their jaw and open their mouth. Yeah. And when the larynx is really, really low, singers can stand a very open mouth. Ah. Um, or, or actually need it to not sound too dark. Mm -hmm. um, but then you get somewhere, somewhere in the middle where the larynx may be somewhere neutral. Um, and uh, then the mouth opening can be a bit freer, and that's just that's mm. how I've I've worked on it and how I work on it with my singers. Yeah, there's, that's yeah. a very very simple version. But what what are your thoughts, Steve? Yeah, I'd say if, if there's a tendency to want to um, over compress as we work up in in pitch, um, which let's face it, let's face it here, like most guys, we're going to want to do that. Um, and that's probably what you're, you're feeling as well, there, Tristan. Because I know I've, you know, felt felt the same for much of my life. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, soon. So as soon as any any posture facilitates getting close to that feeling of uh, that, then yeah, I yeah. Despite the fact that you look at 
to be honest with you, a lot of female musical theatre singers, you can see they are in a great place. They can open that mouth and go crazy on it. But this oh, probably just the fact that they've actually spent a lot of time stabilising the larynx um, and uh, haven't, and I don't want to say they've got an easier ride, but haven't, you know, been a man um, and like sounding like a man for their for the mm-hmm. early part of their life and have clung on to those postures that then send you into some sort of carnage when you whenever you want to open your mouth in the high notes does that make yeah. sense yeah that's that's interesting because i've i've also noticed that female singers tend to pick things up really really fast but the other thing about them too is most of the time their problem isn't that um they're pulling too much weight up it's that they they flip way too early and so they have that mixed connection from the beginning and guys don't ever have that it's really rare a lot of times i have to even just get a guy to you know bring his falsetto up above like an f4 sometimes it's not even there yeah absolutely just to disassociate with the the um posture or setting that he that he's using um to begin with right it's just like we just need to get you out of that and just do something completely different whereas as you say and it's it's generalizing but the females uh, a lot of females will, will tend to easily go into something that sounds a little lighter and they've got they yeah. utilize that setting a lot easier totally i'm t- i yeah. totally you do you, you with that chris as well yeah yeah and indeed like ingo had done a presentation on that a couple of years ago hadn't he where the vocal setting between male and females obviously female speaking voices are closer if not in the same setting as they need to be in the middle of their voice and certainly up up until contemporary ranges end um but men men are um, a lot thicker they're in a whole nother setting so the transition out of that setting or training that to be slightly different is um yeah is the approach that guys have but then we can look at the flip side it's like well what is the female singing because i know from from uh, our experience that if they're singing adele they're going to behave like a man <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> you know like we're going to yeah. be going okay yeah we, we actually have to treat you like a bloke which is now let's flip <laughs> do you um because i i was listening to your uh pulling chest uh podcast and so do you necessarily think that there's anything bad about the way that adele sings because that is that what you guys would de- sort of define as pulling chest in a bad way quote unquote so that's where we're leaving that one for a minute on the cliffhanger on the cliff edge Just and like we're soap we would <laughs> we'll jump back in with tristan a bit later on, but for the time being, here's some more conversation. Name. Claire. Second name. Cannon. What is your biggest singing hurdle at the moment? Um, getting. See, what I tend to do is, especially around B flat, is belt. Um, so for me, it's getting getting that consistency through the bridge so that I can get into the kind of mix position a bit earlier so I don't end up yelling. If I don't think about it, then I'll go to, um, it kind of, I widen, widen out too much and it, it can go a bit crazy, like not controlled as I go higher up my register. It's harder to control pitch if, if I'm not going, getting into the mix. 
And which direction do you think the pitch goes? Do you reckon you end up flat? Do you flip sharp or what happens? No, I tend to flatten out as I go higher because of, because I favour that um, naturally go to that belt sound. Um, it flattens out as soon as I get into you know the valve changing valves and things. Um, it tends to getting into that mix tends to lift the pitch for me. Right, indeed. And so for you then, <clears throat> uh, which, which valves are your your favourite ones to get you out of that? accidental belt into something that's going to let you travel a little bit further e and e do you use that in exercises or do you try and adjust lyrics to take on some shape of e yeah mostly um lyrics really mostly getting into the shifting around the lyrics so i can find an in once i've got an in on that that kind of bridge i'm okay and you know we can put like quite a bit extra onto my range in that strong sound but if i don't get in i can just literally lose it <laughs> i think we could all, we could all sympathize with that right steve yeah <laughs> so claire Cannon, yeah. what is your biggest singing achievement to date oh like performing it could be it could be anything i don't know probably it's it's, it's different really because i started as as a performer um and then a few years ago, I decided to teach. And I think my, my teaching achievements, although they're not as big, they kind of feel a, a more more special to me. Singing-wise, I sang um, I sang for Paul McCartney. That was pretty cool. Wow. You no, kind of dropped that in. Cool. I, I, like, I, like te- I like teaching and helping people in there and, um, and spending every day skipping around in the studio. Oh, and I, and I sang for Paul McCartney. Whatever. What? Yeah, but it was part of a group. It was at graduation because I went to his school in Liverpool, and at graduation we had, like our our little choir group got to sing with him, so that was good. So that was a that was a lovely time you had with Paul. <laughs> with uh, Paul. But we what we'd like to also discuss, um, purely for the sake of everyone, just understanding that we're all in the same boat here could you tell us a little bit about your your worst slash most painful singing moment to date um there's so many <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's almost the perfect answer i can't even think of um probably all the auditions that was probably the worst obviously. and auditions for what claire for, so when I finished university, I did like a year of auditioning when I thought that I wanted to be a performer. Um, and that was just so hard. It was so soul-destroying. And you just, I think, constantly picking yourself back up, um, that's that's really hard. Um, but then I also used to do the clubs, so like the working men's clubs and things. And sometimes you'd have like three people in the club and then they'd all go out for a cigarette. <laughs> Lord knows we've been there. Steve and I used to perform at casinos, and they sound very similar. Yeah, and this when, moment, no, when no one gives a literally gives a shit. <laughs> like you're giving it everything because because you know you're getting paid for it, and you you have to give it every single thing, even even when you don't really feel like it. And then people just walk out, and you're like, oh, but I just belted that, and it was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> giving you everything and you don't care this is uh... 
<laughs> so, so those auditions, Claire, like, can you think of something that actually really helped you during those audition times to make them better, easier, um, more enjoyable, or even more successful? I think I kind of learned really, really quickly that you need to network within the audition room and with everyone else auditioning. I think I started off just being really quiet. Um, and then when you start to see the same people at the auditions every single week, so it got easier when I got to know people and just went up and spoke to other people auditioning and that kind of took a bit of the pressure off the day. But singing-wise, you can't really... It's so hard because from one audition to the next, they all want completely different things. Um, so I guess it's just about doing your research before you go. Who's going to be in the audition room? Yeah, it's, it's killer, isn't it? And you, do, you often don't get a lot of time, do you? Sometimes your recall is like the next day. Yeah. And and that's killer because um you know some some people take longer to absorb material uh, and learn melodies or lyrics or any of that stuff. So to send someone in the next day is yeah. uh, it often generates, doesn't it, um a whole wild card. <laughs> like Lord knows what's going to happen on that recall, but yeah, definitely, it's crazy. Okay, so and also, could you tell us from the Naked Vocalist series so far? Which yeah. topic or even nugget of something that you've found the most useful so far? There's actually two episodes that I listen to on, on, on repeat, on repeat. Um, and mainly because I, I'm still getting, still starting to understand what he's actually saying about 50 times through. Um, and the high note one. So can you say that again though, Claire? Because it was so perfect when you said... I've got it on repeat. You, you actually repeated about four times. Um, yeah, it, 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 like, yeah, it was so funny, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, it's like the glitch, the glitch in the system meant you said, uh, I've listened to these ones on repeat, on repeat, on repeat. And it actually did that. How do you know I didn't say that? Oh, good point. <laughs> good point. <laughs> I don't know. But we didn't hear you say the episode, which makes me wonder, because you're talking about Ingo Tietze episode, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. So it was Ingo Tietze. It was that one and the, and the uh, singing, was it high notes? Yeah, taking the high notes. Higher, whatever it is. Taking what? the high voice. Taking, the high, taking the high notes even higher. Um, <laughs> so, and, and, and uh, one of the last questions, Claire, if you could, who do you like best? Out of me and Chris. <laughs> I could not possibly answer that. You could, though, and that's what's embarrassing. I think it's quite funny how you're both really similar, but both really different. Like to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of something Jamie Oliver used to say. He used to say stuff when he used to bring out this recipe. He used to say, nah, it's simple, it's complicated. <laughs> 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 but but um, no, she's remaining diplomatic there, Steve. I like it, like a yeah. stuff. Claire, how can people oh, find you online if they want to come and find Claire Cannon? ClaireCannonVoice.co.uk or just hit me up on Facebook, Claire Cannon. Tell us your name. My name is William Arnold. Excellent. And tell us your location. I'm in New Jersey, United States of America. Hell yes. Uh, in your singing, what is your biggest hurdle at the moment? Probably a couple, but one that's really annoying me is pitch. 
I'm doing a lot of session work and recording myself. And when I'm going in, sometimes uh, to pitch correct, you thinking that things are really in line and then seeing that, oh, maybe I didn't quite <laughs> the onset of that note sometimes. And a lot of it is my in my low range. I seem to have trouble. You know, my ear is good. I know that. But matching that in my uh, vocalizing. Mm. I hear you on that. I hear you on that. I mean, um, Steve and I have done uh, a fair bit of recording, I guess, for ourselves, for our bands and stuff like that. And yeah, you, you, when you've got a, a program such as Melodyne or something right, like that, lots, you, you get to see, don't you? You see that huge waveform. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's usually huge because we do consider volume to be talent. Uh, which is, so it's always loud, isn't it, Steve? Oh, definitely. Bring it on. To signify our talent. Um, but then you do you do see how far under <laughs> it is from the pitch. It's maddening. <laughs> so we're with you on that, yeah. But uh, in in the scheme of things, when you listen back, like what 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 is acceptable live? We can see from the from the software that sometimes it's under the pitch, but. Uh, the acceptability of that live is a whole other issue. So, uh, and what kind of stuff do you record? I'm doing all all kinds of different things. I'm getting into recording on trailers, singing for trailers, and mm. uh, yeah, so it's kind of the big epic sound. I kind of mimic various ethnic sounds, various timbres from around the world, wow, and that's interesting. just. What? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's cool stuff. How did you get involved in this? Uh, basically, by meeting a bunch of composers online, I interviewed one that does a bunch. She's from Mongolia, actually. Her name is Uyanga Bold, really cool singer. And that got me turned on to some of the composers that are writing this stuff. And so I've been networking with them and, and doing, some, doing some tracks. That's excellent. So, so if we look at your biggest hurdle, one was pitching. Yeah. Um, how are you, whatever it might be, how, do, how are you tackling that at the moment? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not quite sure. You know, I, um, my one thought is to record more and, and kind of look at it and, and, you know, re-record and work on it, you know, work on it that way. But, I'm not sure what to do beyond that. I hear you. I hear you. Awareness is definitely the start, isn't it? Yeah. Well, and he- recording yourself builds that for sure. Right. And, and unfortunately, it, it, it brings in that perfectionist side that many of us have. And then you wonder, like you say, well, what is acceptable and what am I correcting to? You know, am I looking for a machine? in this vocal or am I looking for something that's more that has the character of, you know, not just being flat, (laughs) but in terms of the vibrato and and the way I've noticed that my vibrato, I'm, it seems that I'm, my vibrato is going up toward the pitch, if that makes sense, toward the pitch center. In other words, I'm flat, but I'm, but I'm wavering up toward it. Mm -hmm. And that will give you the perception that you are in fact on key Right, um, which which is uh, yeah p- part of the reason why vibrato was developed back in the whatever it was 
1600s, whenever people used to begin to use it for notes that would last a long time and flatten because air pressure drops in the lungs, mm. uh, and the vibrato would replace that lost pitch or, or the perception of it, in fact. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so I guess that kind of... Uh, kind of rings true and uh, I'm sure Steve will be able to elaborate as well you know there's many parts of the pitch making process um, that can be exercised and stretched out and it, and it could just be a question of looking at all those parts you think Steve? Yeah I think so but it's you know the, the, the crazy thing is, I was just about to say that William when you said about the being a perfectionist with your background and in music and everything else it's, it's the nature of the beast as you say isn't it it's, it's uh you are so in tune with everything that you're doing that um you become the most critical person uh it, within right. what you're doing and it, it, where does it end where, that's the question we need to ask ourselves and I, I think you're quite right to make that and as we know a lot of the time uh pitch comes with balance whatever the hell that means but um you know sufficiency with the voice so just just sticking with it i've got a feeling like your pitch isn't going to be uh that much of a problem william if, if you had to really review it on a on a scale where would you put it in terms of like you know i've got i've got problems with my pitching would it be a a, a three or five or a seven or a or a nine and nine being brilliant Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Probably a seven or an eight. Yeah. I mean, I definitely want it to improve. Um, but, you know, it's not as if I'm not aware, like you say, of what's going on. Mm, mm. Um, but it's it's uh, yeah, that perfectionist streak. Yes. It lives and in it's all of definitely that's such a problem compared to I'm also a flutist. And, you know, I can control my pitch when I'm playing flutes and and often have to. But you can only air so much, really, with various instruments, mm. you know, versus the voice is just wide open. Mm. And so that's that's a totally different experience. Absolutely. So what would you say, with all this in mind, what would you say is your um, biggest singing achievement to date? Hmm. Just working on, I've got a couple acapella videos that i've put out and and recordings with oh, yeah. one of those you know uh where it's all you hmm. piecing it together and that's a lot of fun how can we find those um uh, my youtube channel is the music instigator so if we go so on you there. can see them there hmm. and also on soundcloud william dash arnold that's probably a better place, actually, because I've got my demos that I've created for session work where I'm singing various like pseudo uh, throat singing, for example, and other kind of fun stuff like that. Great. So you take it on the Tuvian throat singing thing. Yeah, it's my own impression of it. <laughs> I can't, I no can't official wait to hear this. <laughs> do we get a demo now or do we just need to go? I could and try. Oh, yes. Okay, go, go. Uh, hold on. You might have to cut out a couple bad attempts. Ah, uh, I have to kind of hear it first. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a we'll Go I'll on with the interview and I'll, <laughs> I'll try and. <laughs> oh, this is, this is amazing. Um, we, do ha we do have another question for you, actually. Sure. Um, so the last one was yeah, you feel. Uh, a sense of achievement about the acapella stuff, but now let's look at the flip of that, which is, what is your worst or most painful singing moment today? Uh, that could be that could be on stage <laughs> in front of a student, anything like that. Yeah, 
Um, I'm trying to think. My my main fault in live performance is words. I will totally lose my my words. I don't like to memorize anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a really good reader, and I, I rely on that, unfortunately. In, in recent years, I've tried to, to uh, get back to being able to perform because it's kind of a, an odd thing to say you're a singer, for example, and someone says, well, s sing me a song. Well, I don't – let me see if I can think of some words that I, <laughs> that I actually know. <laughs> yeah. I've got a tune. I've got a melody, but no, no real word. Yeah, I can hum anything you'd like. <laughs> yeah. So when when you have that moment uh, and you've you've lost your words, um, there are people looking directly at you. Yeah. And I presume from your background, are you also playing an instrument at this moment? I could be. It depends. Yeah, you could be. So so if we if we take that situation, what do you replace the lost lyrics with? Is it just a facial expression? <laughs> Is it I a dance? <laughs> uh, probably just a mumble or the wrong word <laughs> just a mumble <laughs> just a, do you have any favorite kind is it a tuvian throat mumble <laughs> i don't know honestly i usually have the words in front of me and i'm getting ready to do a solo a one-man show i've got a piano player and a bassist lined up and i'm going to do a full 40-minute set or whatever of on, on valentine's day and I'm doing some classic love songs and uh, some modern stuff, too. And the part that's a little terrifying is performing without a, uh, what, what do you call it? A, the life preserver of sheet music. Mm. So when you, say, <laughs> when you say classic love songs, what are we talking? I'm talking like um, jazz standards. Right. I thought it was going to be yeah. like um, Foreigner or something. You're gonna throw in no, there. No, <laughs> I'm gonna scream <laughs> in that on a Valentine's meal. That'd be amazing. No stuff like my funny Valentine, right. um, a bushel and a peck. I like to do uh, flip songs that were supposed to be sung by a woman. Like I'm going to sing, what's it called? Can't help loving that man, but I sing can't help loving that girl. Mm, nice switch. Um, do you? <laughs> just, I'm curious. I'm curious with the whole memory thing. Are you good at remembering names? You know when people introduce themselves? No. Yeah. What is, <laughs> what is that? How do you fix that then? Have you just, have you, I don't know if you've thought about this much in your life, but I have. have do you I have, to, yeah. You have, yeah. Have you just accepted that it's not going to happen? And you just, whenever you meet someone, it's like, okay, I might as well not even ask your name or... Do you know what I mean? Sometimes, yeah. I, I've tried the trick of saying their name back to them, <laughs> yeah. but, which I forget to do. <laughs> yeah. It's just gone. But yeah, I'm terrible. You, you know, and, the, uh, Nat Natalie, my girlfriend and I, we have, um, we have a system because uh, we're both terrible. And uh, you know that per when you're reintroduced to somebody that you should know? Oh, the yes. world. You can't remember a thing about them. And what, what, what we say is, oh, oh, it's, it's, it's good to see you again, um, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, if, I, if I give Natalie like the wink, nod or nudge, she'll very quickly come in with, oh, hi, I'm Natalie, because she would never have met them before. Uh, and she go, nice. oh hi, I'm Natalie. Sorry, who are you? And then they'll say, and I'll go, yes, of course, it's this is Dave. Sorry, how rude of me. <laughs> <laughs> and it works brilliantly. But you need a partner in crime who understands. Mm, so yeah, you need to find that. 
Um, <laughs> it's maybe, I'm usually alone. <laughs> usually, um, usually alone on that one. But um, no, but apparently it means, and this could this could be the fact that you know you you do the interviewing thing as well, William, and as, mm-hmm. as we do, and and the the constantly thinking of what you're going to say next is the issue yeah. here. Apparently, so when you meet someone, apparently if you don't remember their name, you're not even listening to them. You're thinking about what you're mm-hmm. going to ask them next, which I think is fascinating. And I, I still don't know how to get out of yet, but we're, we're you know, maybe we're working it together. Should we do a bit of a team? Can, can I just pop in there that um, this is going to be doubly as bad if you're single and you're talking to someone <laughs> you're interested in, isn't it? Because then you're definitely going to be thinking, oh, well, what's the possibly the coolest, mo- most profound thing I could say right now? You could say, exactly. yeah. As they're saying, hi, I'm Alice. Lovely mm. <laughs> name. Anyway, William, last question for you, if we could. As an yes. avid listener to the Naked Vocalist podcast, clearly, mm-hmm. uh, what would be the episode that you would point people in, in the direction of, if there was one? Oh. The one that comes to mind is the, and I don't know that, you, but you'll know, the uh guy. The, the, we're talking about vowels. That's a man you sound like, John Henney. Oh, okay. There yeah. you go. And I don't remember his name. <laughs> Look at that. Perfect. <laughs> but that was revelatory. Yeah, just thinking about, and I, and I do it. You know, I'm, I'm largely self-taught, and I realize, oh, yeah, I've been doing that a little bit. Um, you know, especially, like, I have a lot of, I'm working with clients, and they want this high, you know, um, piercing kind of stuff dramatic and it, it was that was very helpful thinking about oh okay i can try this kind of book as in book right uh sound to to um to get at the pitch and and then kind of um modify it from there is that correct yes yeah. absolutely yeah hang on yeah that was cool yeah john's a great guy john's been yeah he, and he's helped lots, lots of singers around the world with that so it's um uh, it's not a surprise that that one sticks out for you. Yeah. So if there's any words that you would want to leave the, 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 the naked vocalist singing world with, William, what would they be? Any words? Yeah. Um, could we do with singing? Could be to do, to do with life? You know, encouragement. Yeah, my encouragement would be, and this is kind of where I'm coming from with my podcast, is just to make music. And to record yourself, too, to make videos and throw them up on YouTube. That's been really helpful to me. I did, in the beginning of 2015, I did a 60-day challenge, which was crazy. I made a, a music video every day for 60 days. And that's on my YouTube channel. And it really forced me to be um, prolific, to, to, to create, where you know we can come up with all kinds of excuses of not making things and sharing our work you know not it's fine to to hum to yourself but to share what you're doing with other people so they can be encouraged you know it comes back to that perfectionism thing too where you don't want to you know i know i kind of rub elbows with a lot of intensely um uh good musicians can't think of the word i'm trying to come up with and so it's intimidating to share when you know you know you got some great vocalists out there or composers who are going to hear the things you know possibly that you're uh, mm. where you're not quite where you want to be I guess and there's going to be no one in the, there's not one person in this world who's going to be walking out there going I've got this and I I'm not fearful of anyone 
so everyone's in the same boat is basically what you're saying, right? Yeah. So you just got to get over that that um, that feeling of uh, judgment and fear. Right, and it should be about creating and and yeah. and enjoying and sharing that you know that creativity. Yeah, perfect. What a way to end. Amen. I, I, shall I try the the throat singing? Yes, oh please. yes, please. If you promise to cut it out, if it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, you know we can't what? promise that. <laughs> Oh man, that was incredible. I can hear some of the real stuff in there. Like when you go really closed on that vowel, you can hear the kind of whistling harmonic in there somewhere. Yeah, I haven't gotten to the point where I can really isolate those those harmonics, which is of course the the real key to it. I'm just imitating the the timbre, I guess, of of the, what they're doing with their throats. But yeah, I'd like to improve on that so I can actually. Get those <laughs> that's, that's a hell of a project, and um, I, I take it you do do that alone. Practice it. <laughs> yes. Or have you done a gig of this? <laughs> no, I've never done a gig of it, but I'm, I'm, I have no problem. Uh, you know, if I if I start making a sound that I'm enjoying, I'll just continue it. And my students are around; they, they're kind of used to hearing it at this point. <laughs> I like that way of living. Hey, look, if I'm happy, just just sit there and listen to me, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, that was amazing. Thank you, William. So, William, we've got, got your SoundCloud. Is there any anywhere else where people can find you? Yeah, uh, my, you know, I'm I'm putting together my new website, which is William Arnold Music, and that'll be the place where everything is going to be for my work as a session singer and also a world flutist. My, so maybe you're getting the idea. There's a whole world influence in what I do, and so I play all kinds of wooden flutes and uh, yeah, like sort of traditional folk instruments. That's my main thing. Sounds and so williamarnoldmusic.com is where you'll find all that stuff if if you're interested. I think there'll be a lot of people that will be interested in that. So thank you for that, <laughs> William. What is your name? Scott Morwitz, and that's M-O-R-W-I-T-Z. I spell it because I made sure I had a webpage up just just so I could plug myself. Um, so it's M-O-R-W-I-T-Z, only one O. And if people were interested in contacting me, they could just go to scottmorwitz.com. And I just have a splash page up where they can contact me for lessons. Hang on a minute. So your name is Morowitz. Yes. So my name is Scott Morowitz, but I use, this is very clever, Scorwitz is a combination of my first and last name. Very clever. <laughs> Not a little bit confusing. If you, yeah, I, I guess now that you mentioned it, yeah, it is. Um, it's, it's is, is this like that whole? That. Is this like this whole like you know a cat plus a dog would be a cod cog? I guess so. Yes. You know what I mean? Like we all like doing that, don't we, with do words? We? <laughs> I chose. Oh, yes, this. we do, Steve. <laughs> I chose this uh, long. My very first email address was Scorwitz, and it was just the first thing that came to me. So, where are you from? Scott Morrow. Uh, original, originally, I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, here in the States. And you are now? I'm now, uh, for this March, it'll be 10 years in New York City. 
What's your favourite thing? Highlight? Uh, well, there's just never a lack of things to do. And more things than you could possibly do in a lifetime. And that's pretty much it. And, and now I've built a great social life here, friends, activities. Um, certainly there's a lot of crap you have to deal with to live in New York. Mm-hmm. But once you sort of level out and adjust to daily life here, um, there's no place like it for activities and life, culture, arts, everything is here. Love it. All right. So on to the meaty stuff, a little bit deeper, a little bit more transparent, if we could. All right. And this is not that you haven't been already, but this is, you know, this is the moments where you probably wouldn't be transparent. So we, we, we urge you to be when I ask you the question, what is your biggest singing hurdle at the moment? Hmm, that's a good question. So as a tenor, as any any voice type, but particularly as a tenor, singing in the top range and knowing whether or not I was singing in the correct voice because one feels very free and easy, but I'm not convinced is loud enough or sort of and then I'm talking mainly from an operatic perspective not convinced that it's really the sound that's needed or singing in more of a I would call it bringing the chest up a bit more singing with sort of a stronger fuller sound that feels like you're doing something but is not sustainable for very long and as an undergraduate I was told by teachers that I was singing in a reinforced falsetto when I was up there. And uh, terminology gets really confusing. And I know different people call thing, different things different terms. I would call what the area that I'm talking about head voice. And I would say that for much of my career, I've wondered whether I'm singing in this quote-unquote reinforced falsetto or whether I truly am singing in head voice. And I... I could go further on that, but that's been sort of the my life's pursuit as to which one is right. And once again, I say I think I've found the answer for myself, but um, that's been my most confusing thing. Myself, I'll say specifically me, I'm able to sound really huge and dramatic in my middle range, my lower range, and even bring my chest up to say a G and sound like this huge honking tenor. And I've had people tell me I was a Heldon tenor, which is a Wagnerian tenor. Um, but then I've had other teachers say, oh no, you're a Leggero, which means light. Uh, you're a very light Rossini or Donizetti tenor. And those are the two polar opposite sides of the spectrum. And it just generates so much confusion that ultimately I had to take all of this and go away and decide for myself what I was. <laughs> awesome. That's a, I'm sure a lot of, a lot of guys and girls to be fair, um, yeah. can sympathize with that particular area. And there's always with, with singing teachers and, and singing professionals, if you like, there's always, um, the argument between the relevance of voice types in popular music because it, obviously when you're portraying a song your voice type is less important in contemporary music than it is in traditional or classical stuff 
Um, sure. But it's more like we're talking about the technical nature of knowing your voice type is to understand what it sh should sound like in a certain area so that you don't over-richen and, mm. uh, and, and drive more meat into that area that would lead you to overdrive your voice. And in essence as well, if you're a deep singer who's singing too light, you'll obviously be quite weak and unstable up there. So I think it's I think what you're talking about for a lot of people has eventually everyone has that epiphany and will have a possibly a contemporary or classical vocal role model that they know or with the help of a teacher um, would sound most similar to them and so emulating that person can lead you to uh, what the right goal or even close to it and I've, I've certainly had that moment myself um, which really changed my range and my efficiency so um, yeah, what you're talking about there, man, has so much, so much fruit for singers these days. So in, okay. in a couple of sentences, can you tell us your biggest singing achievement to date? And that could be either something that you've done with your voice specifically or even an amazing show. Uh, well, let's see. Um, the biggest singing achievement, I would say... It's hard. I mean, I'm trying to think of a solo event because I sing a lot of choral things as well. Um, sorry, the things I'm thinking of right now are not necessarily singing things. Okay, well, I got to... Uh, I can't think of anything specifically solo singing. Let's see. Um... Is, is there something, um, oh, is there a, a particular technique you've worked on that you've mastered? You know, like I, when I think back, I recorded a song yeah. to, to um, uh, be a kind of punch in the air to the fact that I could actually sing a B flat. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Like there's, maybe, maybe it might be something along those lines. Okay, here, I'll, I'll give you two, I thought. So, so I mentioned I'm in the, the New York City Gay Men's Chorus, and... Um, one of the things about that group is that while there are a lot of it more amateur musicians, there are also a lot of professionals, but I get to sing rep there that I would never sing anywhere else. And I got to sing on the roof deck of a New York City building at a wedding. Um, I sang Empire State of Mind, Alicia Keys, with the Empire State Building behind me. Um, you know, got to sing the solo on that with chorus un under me that was amazing it sounds yeah. like something that should have been filmed was it filmed scott oh no 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 i don't think so no it was a private we <laughs> private wedding and uh it was oh. during the cocktail hour and so all the guests were out on this roof deck and i'm just in new york you know and i'm like this is so surreal that i'm in new york looking over the concrete jungles and there's the Empire State Building behind me. Yeah. So you, that was great. Who needs film when you've got the memories? Um, <laughs> Sounds phenomenal. Okay, and the last question, Steve. Okay, on the flip side, what's your worst or most painful uh, singing moment to date? Oh, gosh. Probably um, forgetting the words in an audition for grad school. And just 
I don't know, the things that come out of your mouth when you forget the words. Mm. They sounded like words in a language, but not any language that's ever been spoken on the planet. <laughs> um, <laughs> One possibly you should patent for singers in, yeah, in, in those times. There you go. Um, just gibberish. And I mean, it's fine if you flub one or two words, but like for half a verse, I just... It, luckily, the song was in Italian. And so, I mean, not that the auditioners didn't know Italian, because these are like music school people that have heard this song a million times. But um, yeah, that's the that's the worst, is when it just leaves your head. Or like two minutes before you go on stage, you're like, what song am I singing? And what's the first note? And what's the first word? And it's just like, where does it go? Luckily, it usually comes back right the minute you need it. Yeah. But yeah. Or, or, even, or even the second or the yes. even smaller than that. But um, So you forget the lyrics. You bring out some gibberish. Um, <laughs> were you thinking about... I must carry on. Were you thinking about the look on your face? You know, what what yes. physical manifestations of hell on earth did you bring out at that moment? Most of the time, when you make a mistake, particularly for non, not an audience not of voice teachers, um, nobody's going to know except for you. And so, you just play it cool and keep going. Unless you scream a swear word and walk out the room, which, <laughs> yeah, which, which well, has happened. Another option. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> you, <laughs> you did? Oh, yeah, oh, no. Do you know what? I remember. <laughs> I remember <laughs> someone singing a song, right? And it was an original song, so you would not know it. <laughs> and it was there was a room full of 50 people, other singers, and there was me. And it was a bit like, you know, the first song they would sing for me um, when they arrived at university. And... Um, I think I think she'd got the verses sort of mixed up, maybe the wrong way round. We're all sat there enjoying her playing the piano, and literally, she shouts the F word in the middle of a perfectly fine verse, and she slams her fists into the piano, right? Oh my god! Hitting hitting the keys and literally walks out of the room. <laughs> and I and I walked out, and I was just like, hey, 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 what's going on? Come on, what's going on? And she'd got the um, she'd got the words wrong, obviously. And but that moment, it's an original song. We are not gonna know, right? Reacting yeah. to your mistake like that is just mental. Did you film right? that? Um, did you film that, mate? Because I need to. <laughs> okay. If I if if I did, I'd be breaking the laws to show it right now. <laughs> awesome. Well, listen, we've got to we've got to wrap things up. But just quickly, Scott, if you could, if there was one episode of the Naked Vocalist that you would um, point other people in the direction of, what would it be? Oh, there's so many because they're all great. But um, you know, up until now, I would have said the was it Anger Titsu? How how do you say his last name? Yeah, that was amazing. But then the one most recently on bringing your chest voice up, or perhaps more aptly named, why would you want to bring your chest voice up? Um, <laughs> that was that should be listened to by every singer, every student of voice on the planet. That was amazing. And now we head back to the big question from Tristan on Adele. And so do you necessarily think that there's anything bad about the way that Adele sings? Because that is that what you guys would de- sort of define as pulling chest in a bad way, quote-unquote? Hmm. Well, <laughs> um, without slagging anybody off, um, 
do the results speak for themselves? You know, the fact that she's had surgery, you know, um, mm. you can't blame anybody. Like, is it the fact that she wasn't ready for that, the, the workload that she was thrown into? Mm. Was it the fact that she, well, whatever it was, like she, she had to have some, some work done. Um, so that yeah. would suggest that something wasn't right. Um, is that pulling chest? I mean, again, putting kind of, words on things it's it's tricky yeah. but but without doubt she's definitely sounding like she's over contracting the ta over compressing mm -hmm. and therefore not giving herself or not enabling herself to make a smooth transition because she's kind of um imbalanced especially with mm -hmm. the muscular setup as she works through so in terms of yeah if you if we're saying would that be the definition that most people use of pulling chest i would say yes the mouth widens, it sounds a bit yelly. Yeah, I think you're right. And you know, the other things I think when I think of Adele are, um, uh, is, that, is that when you when you get a female singer in coming in to sing Hello, mm. they will be so scared of singing that song. They're like, mm. it's far mm. too high for me, too high. Yeah. And then you look at the key and uh, Hello <laughs> from the other side, it's B flat and A flat. Yeah. It's not even, it's barely out of an, a mezzo's range or a chest voice, you know, yeah. um, or whatever you want to call it. And so when you bring that to someone's attention, they realize, actually, it's really low. And then you question, mm -hmm. okay, so if Adele is generating that much intensity on a B flat, I would say in almost every singer, female singer, unless they're a true, like, contralto, Every female singer is going to have to overdrive their voice to create that sound that low. Yeah. And so, yeah. And, and Adele, to be honest, um, after she had surgery, uh, Rena Gupta had showed us a video of her post-surgery and after training. And she was singing Rolling in the Deep. And it was phenomenal. And you could hear the freeness in it. And it was easily as loud. Um, it was still a brilliant performance. It wasn't by any means like having to change her or get her to sound different. Uh, what she's mm. doing was bad. Um, but I just don't think she's carried that forward into her day-to-day -day singing even now. Um, so, yeah, so Adele's, Adele's situation is definitely that, that one that can be debated by singing coaches all around the world. Um, but the, the, what, what would be deemed correct is, doesn't really sound that different to what would be deemed incorrect. It's just that the result after using it for a year would be, be like not surgery. <laughs> yeah. Great stuff. I guess attached to that, I, I guess you, got, you guys have to go. No, no. Go ahead. No, no, of course oh. not. But, you know, I, I'd like to. I'd like to rekindle the fact that we were asking you the question. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, uh, <laughs> but it's fun, Tristan. It is fun. You go ahead, Tristan. Oh, okay. So I, I guess attached to that because Adele has a very someone who listens to Adele for the first time might and who sort of dabbles in singing or technique might say something like, you know, Adele is an alto. But, you know, to, peop to people who sort of see what she's doing, where you sort of see that, okay, so what she's doing is she's really overdriving some of those notes and digging into the TA to create the, I guess, the illusion of a big sound. Um, do you think that things like voice type have a really anything to do with contemporary technique, like outside of just like a, a fun little party game type of a thing? I th I think personally this, this is a brilliant question. You really think about this stuff, Tristan. It's um. Oh yeah. I think it's uh. 
I think it'll be a problem. Again, I think it can be a big problem. I say it with the choirs that I direct, because uh, mm-hmm. I, I direct some, some pop choirs, and there are a lot of people that come in to the choirs with this preconceived, I'm a alto, I'm mm-hmm. soprano. And um, we have to remember, to begin with, that most of those classifications are incorrectly prescribed, Mm-hmm. in any case because as you said like some people could look at Adele and it's like who are these people that are looking at Adele and saying this who are what's yeah. their background what do they know and then these words start getting thrown around and uh, uh labels attached with very little backing to it so what I mean by that is yeah Adele she's got a strong sound like you say and and uh, that could be um misconstrued as something but these in in the choirs that i that i, that I direct so they would come in and be like yeah i'm an i'm an, an alto you know i basically just can't register it above an a a flat b flat mm-hmm. and it's just the fact that they haven't spent much time learning to do that and then live a life of i'm a low singer that means I'm put into this classification when I go into a choir because I can't sing above this note. And as we remember, like classifications aren't pitch related anyway, but then in this situation, they often are as well. Um, it's, it's more tonal. So yeah, so much confusion over, over voice classifications. And I just, I actually choose to stay away from them for that reason. Um, and just like, okay, so what is the, your voice doing today? We can hear that it's bright. We can hear that it's, it's, it's lighter than, than some others and essentially we are just making comparisons a lot of the time as well um it's all relative so uh, we can hear that so that means that we perhaps shouldn't expect this out of your voice and that out of your voice but let's not put a label on it because that means every situation you go into as a singer you're going to be feeling that thinking about it making choices probably some incorrect choices based on that label um did that answer the question i know i ranted a little bit but oh yeah yeah i i think i agree because when i got when I was put into, um, I got categorized both as baritone at some point and baritenor, whatever that even means in a sort of contemporary context. Mm-hmm. And what I wound up doing is it, what Adele does where I overdrive my voice like that. And so I was like, yeah, that's totally it because I'm, you know, I'm limited to my like F or G4 and it sounds really big and thick, but that really wasn't what was going on mm-hmm. at all. And what was really happening was I didn't find that... Um, I guess sort of narrow passageway that you need through the passaggio. I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah. Do you guys, ex- you, you experience that, right? There, there's sort of like a, ooh, ooh, sort of like a compression type of a feeling as you go. Yeah, completely. Yeah. And uh, you know what? Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of this subject, not for the sake of classifying people, unless you're in opera or, or you're going to be in musical theater. Like they need to know what you are right before yeah. you go in. Cause they're looking for a tenor. Um, but, recalling a story from back in the day you know i was singing like a baritone for sure mm-hmm. um and i was singing uh donny hathaway like i've been so many places like that and it would lead me to yeah. have far too low a larynx position mm-hmm. and it would lead me to over engage you know the muscles that make you sound like you're in chest so when it comes to going up it was a nightmare it was a killer mm-hmm. and understanding you know who who i sound like um, someone showed me Javier Colon, the guy that won the first um, series of The Voice USA. Hmm. And I went from singing like, I've been so many places like that, to singing, hello, are you still there? Like, or like a young man, <laughs> not like yeah. an old man. Um, yeah. And instantly my voice went, I don't know, 
you know, another four or five notes up to up to A instead of up to F sharp. Um, so I, I actually really agree with you. And the, the typical stuffy squeeze that happens in the middle um, from often having two lower larynx um, can, can occur. It can occur for loads of other reasons. But, yeah, totally feel that sensation in the past, Tristan. And, and uh, yeah, I, th I think there's a lot to be said for discovering what one's voice type or what one's voice actually sounds like mm -hmm. and, being, and being able to identify that as... Base camp and and you know um Ingo does uh, um does cite you know the 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 straw therapy exercises as a way of um finding out what your optimum pitch and tone is after doing it and then after a while you'll just place yourself there your speaking voice there. And so that was a, another question I was gonna because bridging into that same that same thing is sort of this idea of something I've been playing with a lot lately is this idea of having a quote unquote, a natural voice. Um, because after learning about all these different variables you can have with your, your sound, like you can, within reason, you can have a lower larynx sound, you can have a higher larynx sound. Um, you can, you know, bridge into head voice at different places in your range things like that so at what point does our voice turn from just a, a standard same as everyone else type of a thing into our voice you know what i mean like is there an actual your voice mm. Mm. well i think it, it, one massive factor there is the genre in which we are or genre or the uh style in which we're singing whether it be i mean i always feel like artists out and out there they really i mean there is a, there isn't one way you know we can literally as you said there you can sing one line with a low larynx and then the next line with a high larynx and if that's your style then you, you know that's you um it's a, again a great question to him because it opens it's a can of worms the yeah. you know <laughs> musical theater again we know what musical theater singers have to sound like they have to sound like the part they're playing so it's pretty straightforward mm -hmm. really um and equally, opera and classical has got it's a very distinctive sound. But, but in t one, one other one other way to answer this question is um, is again hanging on to styles. When you teach a lot of young people, which I'm, I'm not sure whether you do or not, but but I, I teach a lot of youngsters, and one of the things that I have most issue with or most um, thought over is when they come in sounding like Adele. Or they come in sounding like, um, trying to sound like Beyonce, whoever it is. And it's like, you could argue in the artist development world, who am I to say that that isn't their style? We know that everyone is influenced by everyone. Everyone will have a little bit of Michael Jackson in them. It doesn't matter who you are. You'll have a little bit of Michael Jackson in you, you know. But how much of that person is are you are you mimicking in order and by that we mean like using those vocal settings in order to create that sound um how much of that are we using of somebody else and this mixture of sounds is there a right or wrong i'm not sure there is but my my argument is let's see what happens if we don't mimic that person is it any easier for you and a lot of the time in the pop world it normally is because a lot of pop singers are making singing hard for themselves um, so I would say like, 
I'm not sure what the answer is to the right and wrong of what a sound is, a natural sound, quote unquote, but actually um, are the sounds that people are mimicking, which you would suggest aren't natural, quote unquote, are they having a detrimental effect on the voice? Then if they are, then we might want to reconsider. That's my take on it. Yeah, <clears throat> I think that's a good shout as well. And, and like you say, Steve, you could guide them to um, the balance between that influence and their voice rather than just the influence taking over. Um, because it, it will, will boil down to, like, what does natural voice mean? Does it mean natural or does it mean authentic? Does it mean, like, someone believes it? And that's that's the big one, isn't it? When, whether you're looking at... Um, uh, musical theatre or contemporary styles, someone's got to believe you and what you're singing about and what you sound like. And if they're all they're thinking is you just sound like Adele or you just sound like this person rather than oh, I'm getting hints of Adele. But when someone's got their true voice and their authentic sounds with them in it, then they'll be able to get emotion across way better in the voice. Um, and even the nuances of emotion that, you know, true music lovers really enjoy um, so finding one's natural place and balance and it bringing in many different influences and not just one overtaking one um, will help someone to portray the story. And that could be what someone sees as a natural voice or a natural singer. Cause, and it's not even that strategic. It's just, you know, I, when I look back at my influences, I could name them all, but I'm not thinking about singing like that. I'm just, they've just influenced me because I'm a music fan. Yeah. So it's uh yeah it's, it's, funny, it's yeah, the the journey is so so broad it's so huge. It's funny you say that there about the the, the natural thing because uh, there's two other points I would add to this very quickly is, is that um first one the 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 notion of there being natural singers we I think we've all heard this that phrase before right you know some people say, oh she's a she's a natural that girl and I've oft, often questioned that. I don't know what your thought, thoughts are on it but I've thought um more recently is I've actually been thinking do you know what? Yeah, there are some people that the, the vocal uh, apparatus is set in a way that just facilitates them to find the good stuff quicker and easier. Makes sense, right? Um, and you see a lot of those people, which is great to see. Um, but, but also, in addition to that, the, the natural sound, what you mentioned there, Chris, you know, what do people perceive as a natural sound? And I, and I feel the same. It's like, actually, let's be really transparent. A lot of people, the general public, you'd hope that most of them would, would, would want just the expression of the song to come through and the storytelling. And that's what we really want from this. But let's be completely honest. I would really be surprised if people didn't say, do you know what? Like when I hear vibrato, when I hear consistent vibrato, when I hear somebody sustain, when I hear um, crescendo, when I hear somebody riff, they're the things that trigger things in people's minds in reality. Um, so maybe to an extent, and right or wrongly, somebody having the ability to do a mixture of those things um, might be the thing that makes people perceive that somebody is a natural singer, quote unquote. Mm. Does, does that make sense? Can of worms you said, didn't you? I did. <laughs> Tristan, you still there? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm here. You've been so quiet. Sh shall I hit them with? Shall I hit him with the first one, Steve, and you can hit him with the second? Yeah, go for it. Okay, first one is, in your summary, what has been your biggest singing achievement to date? That could include a gig or a, or a thing that you've done with your voice. Uh, so I, I guess it was two years ago. This is probably what I was most proud of. Is I 
got totally shouldn't have gotten it, but I got it for some reason. The a, a really really big lead role in a summer community theater musical, um, and I was like just on stage like 80% of the time, and that was just that was really cool because it, it before before you get on stage and you're just practicing and rehearsing and rehearsing, it's completely different from what it's really like. Mm, absolutely, totally agree. Okay, so that's the biggest achievement to date. On the flip side, the honesty comes out in this question. What is your most painful singing moment to date? You know, during that musical I was talking about, um, I was one of my big sort of solo numbers at the end where I'm sort of like really open, um, open arms and my hands are lifted a lot of the time. The zipper on my... Uh, pants broke off and so I just had sort of my boxers hanging out from the <laughs> my willy area my knob <laughs> <laughs> that is perfect <laughs> one episode Tristan the naked vocalist what would be if you can remember one the best episode that you've listened to to date I think it was probably the interview with um with Ingo I've listened to that one a number of times. That, I think that's one of the first ones I listened to, and it really got me hooked on you guys. There they go. Skipping off. Into the New Year's New Year's Eve sunset. It's not often, is it, New Year's Eve? Usually it's crap weather. Yeah. Unless you live in Australia. And it really depends on how you think about it, really, because let's face it, that's, that's what really matters in life, isn't it? It's how you, you know, there could be sunshine in the rain. Oh, you have to take the moral high ground every time, don't you? Do you know what I mean? I knew you'd like that. I knew yeah. you, you, you imploded. Then, you just you? love saying something different. That's what you like doing, don't you? Contradicting. You know, challenging the status quo. That's what I like. <laughs> is that another... That's another Brentism, isn't it? Yeah, Brent is out on, in force today. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier on, weren't we? What we're going to do in 2016, and that's one of the things, isn't it? We're going to watch, going to go and watch uh, Life on the Road. That's right, David Brent. For you Brent fans out there, and just wondering whether it's going to be as good as the rest. You mentioned that you know normally when it goes to Hollywood, things screw up, things get ruined. Yeah, Hollywood ruins Brent. Don't get me wrong, I like Hollywood films. I went to see Star Wars yesterday. Right? Yeah, that is amazing. Star is it? Wars is amazing yeah i just think it's I, they, they've done so well with it disney so don't get me wrong i'm not bashing hollywood i actually quite like hollywood but hollywood and british humor nah mm. hollywood and brent no but hopefully you know he's he's running a show he knows how to play brent some of the photos look like he's really playing brent so fingers crossed for that one that's what we're doing in 2016 whilst delivering some great interviews such as from Robin de Haas. We've got Robin de Haas coming on. He is a breathing specialist. Um, he's like breathing Yoda on the uh, on the Star Wars vibe. Right. And then uh, we've got a, Rock he's Yoda. a breathing well, Jedi. Rock Yoda. Oh, Jamie Vendera. Yeah. Definitely. And he, if any, if any, if out of the two, I think Jamie would probably be wearing the Yoda outfit. You think? Because he's he's he'd be on board with that, yeah. I think I think he's a performer. You know, he's up for, he's up for a, a lightsaber and a and a hooded uh, cape. <laughs> <laughs> bored with. And walking around on his knees. 
but he's he, he's amazing, <laughs> and he's showing you how to grit uh, and talking to us about his uh, amazing uh, career and what, how he helps singers. Um, so between Robin and him, you've got some amazing content. Uh, we're bringing you some more technical content, some technique stuff uh, in between those episodes as well. So we've got loads to look out for next year. We're compiling some education for some of the advanced singers out there, which is going to be so exciting. Uh, we've got an amazing blog series coming up um, from vocal experts around the world who are dropping bombs, dropping bombs uh, on uh, the technique industry because there's a lot of mumbo-jumbo, isn't there? Yeah, fiffle-faffle. We are also taking a trip to the States in February. Winter retreat! Again, yes. Uh, this one's phenomenal, though. I mean, don't get me wrong, they're always phenomenal. Um, but the performers this year and the songwriting teachers and the mentors, uh, they are beyond incredible this year. So uh, um, Natasha Beddingfield is doing one of the songwriting classes, um, and she's had an amazing amount of sales in the States, an amazing amount of sales around the world. Uh, she's doing some stuff. You've got big Billy Clark, who's a major mentor there. He was A&R for Def Jam Records for like 25 years. Um uh, Andy Brown from the band Lawson, who's someone I've worked with in the past, he's going over there to help with songwriting and also perform uh, in the nightly concert. And if you listen to this show on New Year's Eve, you will know that approximately in 24 hours, the early bird pricing for the winter retreat ends on January the 1st. So if you are keen to go to a songwriting event and an artist event like that, with that, that caliber of person, then get yourself along to vocalizeyouevents.com and go and check out the schedule for it there. And if you're keen, then book it. Otherwise, it's going to go up to like from $999 for four days to two grand, something like that. So go and get, go and go. Go and go, go, go and go and do it. Just go. Just go and go. Yeah, go. go, go, go. Go, go. And we're just going to go. go. Us, then? I think it is. It's New Year's Eve. We're off out to go and um, actually put in a stay in tonight. We're, we're... Yeah, ter- turn it down for what? Probably not. Definitely. Uh, going to stay in. Gonna, I've, you know, we've made chocolate pots. Have you? Yeah. We've already got the wine in. Dad bought us back some back from France in the summer, which I haven't drunk because I don't drink. So Lovely. I've got a a tub of uh, Bassett's all sorts in front of me so I'm sorted they're crap though aren't they okay they are rubbish let's be honest they're the great balance it's a great balance let me ask you though would you sorry if your mum bought you those by the way okay Carry sorry on. Karen sorry Karen if she they're oh, lovely really but let me ask you this mm-hmm. if you could swap that tub for a tub of Haribo would you do it Maybe. Thank you. Thank you. Happy New Year, everyone. Have a great time.